Hey everyone, and welcome to Theana Money, where we seek to help the good man leave an inheritance to his children's children. This is Jeremy, the host of Theana Money. Uh, so as I've said uh, recently in the podcast, I want to sometimes start giving uh, random economic tips at the beginning before we jump into the episode. Honestly, this week's isn't really a tip because it's something that's common sense. It's more just uh, something to be humorous for you. Uh, don't charge people for shipping and then tell them to come pick up the item because you aren't willing to ship it after the buyer paid extra specifically for the purpose of shipping. Because if you do that, then the buyer will take back their money and go elsewhere. Uh, so there's just a little thing you can laugh at a little bit because someone was actually dumb enough to try that recently that, and just get a good laugh out of that. Uh, that's just basic economics and being a seller with common sense, but apparently these days some people are lacking in what we used to think was common sense and are slowly finding out through negative examples is actually learned more than it is just common to everyone. Uh, so anyways, to the topic at hand, this week we are talking about womb to tomb pro-life. I know we've been hitting really hard on abortion the last couple weeks, but this topic also relates to the economics of abortion, like the one that I covered two weeks ago. Uh, so after this one, we're uh, probably not going to talk about abortion-related economic things for a little bit, but there are just a few things right in a row that I really wanted to hit on, uh, especially that first one, wanting to talk about that right after the ending of Roe v. Wade and how all of those companies were responding to uh, sanctuary states against abortion and trying to pay for women to go to sanctuary states for abortion. So if you haven't listened to the episode two weeks ago called Abortion Economics, go check it out. It's about companies paying up to 4K to pay for their employees to get abortions. And now this week we are also talking about economics related to abortion. But uh, in some ways, this is going to be on a smaller scale, and in other ways, it's going to be on a broader scale than that one two weeks ago. We, and by the way, I am using the plural there because I want to include you all, not because there's multiple people here recording, it's just me this week, but to include you, the listener, using that plural pronoun, we won't cover all of the ways that government involvement in the economy as it relates to abortion this week on this episode, there's so many different ways that government involvement in the economy relates to abortion. But we are going to talk a little bit about a particular way or two that can happen this week as we talk about this episode of the concept of womb to tomb pro-life. But before we jump into all that, I want to ask you all if uh, you enjoy Theana Money, if you like what you hear, if you learn from it, please uh, subscribe to the podcast, turn on auto downloads, and uh, text links of episodes to your friends so they can listen to it and maybe become regular listeners just like you are, and then they can tell other friends, and it can just be a domino effect from there. So what is womb-to-tomb pro-life? The claim is that 
It means being pro-life for the person's entire life, from the time the person is a preborn baby until the time that person dies, from conception until death. At this point, you may be wondering why I have issues with that. And if we are strictly talking about the definition I just gave there, then sure, I would be called a womb-to-tomb pro-life. But the issue is that other ideas are often smuggled into that term, some that actually contradict the term itself. This is how that term is a Mott and Bailey. They give this great-sounding definition that all Christians should support, but like a Trojan horse, they smuggle other things in with that definition. If the person is committed to his or her deception and the Mott and Bailey, then rather than being honest and open about what he's trying to do, he will just say that because I disagree with him, I must uh, disagree with being against abortion. I must uh, be in support of abortion because I disagree with his uh, womb-to-tomb pro-life. But in reality, he just gave a really vague definition that he's going to defend that when he's pushed on the other things that he's trying to smuggle into the Trojan horse of that definition. So what are some of the ideas we see get smuggled into that term that makes me unable to support it? First and most pertinent to a podcast like Theana Money that seeks to focus on economics is that womb to tomb often, and I could probably say nearly always, means socialism. Womb to tomb often means that we not only care for the baby before he or she is born by fighting against abortion, but we also seek to provide for that baby throughout his or her entire life by government programs. Let the government be the husband and father instead of a man performing that role by providing money through welfare, food through food stamps, education through government school, and other government programs. The idea is that we are not truly pro-life if we do not support the life of the baby after he or she is born, and the only way to support the life of the baby after he or she is born is to support raising taxes, to give out more welfare from the government, not by Christians doing private acts of charity like God commands in scripture and like church history shows time and time again. This socialist womb-to-tomb pro-life concept also often proposes provision for the baby through government programs before he or she is born by giving government aid to the mother before the baby is born. So this is yet another way that some are trying to import socialism into Christianity through care for the poor, which is something I have discussed multiple times from several different angles on past episodes of Theana Money. And those are episodes that you should check out if you haven't already listened to them. Just look for any episode with something along the lines of socialism and or caring for the poor in the title. This time they are doing that by assuming that all or at least most of these women getting abortions are doing so because they are too poor to care for the baby properly if they don't murder the child. They are riding on the biblical precept of caring for the poor and its importance. They aren't wrong in having a desire to care for the poor. After all, just a second ago, I called it a biblical precept. They are wrong in the manner they are going about it. Not all methods of obeying God's commands actually honor God. 
If you choose a sinful means to an end that God commands in Scripture, it is disobedience, not obedience. For example, at the beginning of every episode, I reference Proverbs 13.22, where we are told that the wise man leaves an inheritance to not only his children, but also his grandchildren. If I steal from someone else in my old age in order to have enough money to give an inheritance to all of my children and grandchildren, I am disobeying God by sinning and violating one of his commands in order to fulfill something he says that the wise man does. You cannot violate one of God's other commands for the sake of obeying a different one of his commands. Yet that is the case with this womb-to-tomb pro-life concept. We are commanded to care for the poor, but we are to do it privately. God nowhere in scripture commands government to take large portions of my wealth until I struggle to have enough left over to give to those in need in order that the government can spend over half of it on quote-unquote administrative costs and then give the leftover scraps to someone who very possibly, if not most likely, is nowhere near the biblical definition of the worthy poor. I'm not saying that no one who receives a welfare in the United States meets the definition of the worthy poor. If you read the book Gifted Hands about Ben Carson, then you know that when uh, he was younger, his mom was working two or three jobs just trying to make ends meet, and she still at times had to be on food stamps to try to provide for her two children as a single mother. And she hated every moment of being on food stamps, but uh, she had to to make ends meet at some points and would work harder to try to get off of it and be self-sufficient. That is someone that could be considered the worthy poor, but many people receiving government subsidies and their government welfare are not like Ben Carson's mother. So each form of government, self-government, family government, church government, and state or civil government, each one has roles and responsibilities set out for it in scripture either directly or by good and necessary consequence. These are the spheres of sovereignty that I have talked about many times on Theana Money before, including an entire episode I did on this topic about six months ago that you should go check out. It is simply called Spheres of Sovereignty. The state or civil government, what we think of usually when we hear the word government, is God's minister of the sword to bring wrath on the wrongdoer, per Romans 13. The state is not the minister of mercy, but the minister of wrath. If the state sphere of government seeks to help the poor through money it takes by coercive overtaxation, it has exceeded God's bounds for that role and is taking on responsibilities given to the other spheres, which is disobedience to God. The spheres of authority that are to show help to those in need are the family and the church. Families help one another out by giving time or resources, often monetary resources, to other families in difficult situations. Churches also do the same. I've seen this happen, like when I was in college and a friend's car broke down and the church paid to fix it because she couldn't afford to do so herself. Churches do things like that and imagine how much more they could do if we were faithful in our giving and they were faithful in stewarding their resources. And then when families and churches are unfaithful in 
that is when they are unfaithful and helping for the poor and the downtrodden, that's when daddy government is more than willing to step in and start doing what the church should do in order to gain more power for itself. And instead of being a servant, a fellow minister of God with the other forms of government, it now starts thinking that it is the God over the other forms of government, not fellow servants of God with them. This is exactly what we see that has happened in the United States and in many other countries around the globe. The family and the church show mercy in giving aid to the worthy poor or those in other forms of immediate need. By that I mean someone who might not be poor but something came up and they need help. I'm going to drive my hurt friend to urgent care or the ER if he's too hurt to drive himself regardless of if he qualifies for the biblical standard of worthy poor. That is getting a, into a category error if you say, uh, I can't do anything to help you because you don't meet the biblical qualifications of worthy poor. Okay, if your friend just crushed his hand, he's probably unable to drive himself to the ER and you need to do so yourself if you're right there and the only one who can help him. And if you want an explanation of the worthy poor, check out the episode I did with my friend Matt Belleville last year titled Taxes and Christian Welfare where we briefly mentioned that topic. I wish I had an entire episode that went deeper into what exactly is the worthy poor. At this point, I don't yet, though I plan to cover that in the future as well. If care for babies born instead of aborted looked like this for the womb-to-tomb people, I would be happy to call myself one. Unfortunately, it does not. Instead, they consider care for these children to look like the government doing it all through taxation above the biblical limit. And while I don't have a precise number for a biblical tax rate for civil government, anything 10% or higher is wrong because only God can collect the tithe, not other institutions. So womb-to-tomb pro-life basically means that we need to not only be pro-life before birth by being against abortion, but also be pro-life after birth by supporting all the government welfare programs. And I will push against this unbiblical notion as much as I am able to do so. But that isn't the only issue with this idea of womb-to-tomb pro-life. Other issues I have with it is that womb-to-tomb isn't actually womb-to-tomb. How is it not? Before I answer, I want to say here that This is getting into some areas where not everyone who calls themselves womb to tomb is in full agreement and some, I have no idea how few or how many, but at least some, recognize that some of the things I'm about to say are morally evil and they do not include them in their definition of womb to tomb. But for others, it is part of the Trojan horse of trying to bring sin into the Christian church in the name of opposing the murder of preborn children. So for some proponents, womb to tomb often means euthanasia. Notice how the definition I gave a while back mentioned death, not natural death, for womb to tomb pro-life. For some promoters of this false ideology, we are pro-life for people until they decide they want to commit physician-assisted suicide and end their own lives. So I guess being pro-life for these people means that Other people can't murder you, but you can commit the self-murder of suicide in the name of euthanasia. 
Sometimes womb to tomb even means that abortion is okay. So I guess birth to tomb? Eh, that's not as catchy. Like, what even with this one? You call yourself womb to tomb pro-life and then support abortion. You aren't pro-life at all. You're just a pro-abortion socialist calling yourself pro-life because you want to try to get your evil accepted into the bride of Christ and pollute her to make God spew her out of his mouth like he has done with you. But it won't work because Christ's sheep know his voice and they won't be led astray permanently. They might wander off for a time as they are confused by your evil rhetoric. But if they are sheep and not goats, wheat and not tares, they will stay faithful and persevere to the end, even if the path wanders a bit here or there. When someone says womb to tomb and is okay with either abortion or euthanasia or both, they are obviously not actually pro-life. And please, abolitionist brothers and sisters, I'm with you. I am one. I'm just using this as a general term for all of us who are against abortion. So the womb to tomb people like this are hypocritical at best and straight up lying at worst. Looking at all of this, all I can say is that the pro-life womb to tomb is nothing more than a Trojan horse to bring things that God hates into the church in the name of obeying one of God's commands. No, we don't get to trade obeying one of God's commands for disobeying several of his other commands. We as Christians are to seek to, as much as we can while our flesh still clings to us, obey all of God's commands by the power of the Holy Spirit. And now returning back to economics. This is all about socialism. The womb-to-tomb person tell, tells us, We care about the baby not just before birth, but after too. You don't care about the baby after he or she is born if you don't support raising taxes to give the mothers free stuff. Actually, I'm against abortion and against government handouts because God is. Go back and listen to what I said a few minutes ago again. Uh, I mean, you don't literally have to, but metaphorically speaking, and maybe literally, go back and listen to what I said a few minutes ago about spheres of sovereignty and a more biblical approach to caring for the poor. It's all there and in the previous episodes of Theonomony addressing that topic, not to mention the future ones that will come down the line as well, exploring that same topic from different vantage points or talking about different ways Christians can care for the poor at the family and church level, not the government level. All of this womb-to-tomb pro-life stuff is built on the assumption that economics and poverty is why so many women want to murder their babies. And yes, monetary concerns is cited among women who acquire abortions as one of the top reasons why they do it. But for how many of them is it actually that much of a burden? For how many of them is it just that having another baby would make her have to do three-year leases on fancy cars instead of two-year leases in order to try to save some money or some other frivolous thing like that. Or for the ones who really are worried about paying her bills while taking care of this baby, how many of them ignore the Christians standing outside the mills or the ones online like Laura Clausen offering the woman hundreds and often even thousands of dollars and supplies for the baby, such as formula, diapers, and clothes, as well as gift cards for other things she might need to buy as well. 
Yet somehow we hear that if women had more stuff, they wouldn't murder their babies. If we just had more and better welfare programs with higher payouts, higher payouts that probably would require a much higher increase in taxes because of how inefficient government welfare is, and that if she just had that extra money from the government, maybe then she wouldn't think about getting an abortion. After all, we want to make abortion unthinkable by taxing the whole nation into poverty in order to give out more government handouts. That way these women will have so much money they will never think about getting an abortion. By the way, in scripture we do see a way of actually eliminating poverty. And it's by the poor tithe, not government involvement in the economy. No, how about instead we make abortion unthinkable by spreading the gospel and discipling people into God's law, such as the command, Thou shalt not murder. But that approach doesn't support socialism under a thin veneer of Christianity, you see. People who do ministry outside the mills, whether sidewalk counseling or just standing there to pray and hold a sign, they know that this concept of women getting abortions because of poverty and so if we eliminate poverty by government welfare programs, we would make abortion unthinkable. Those who do that type of ministry know this is a lie. I've been involved in that type of ministry for three years now, and many of those women drive up to the abortion mill in cars much nicer and much newer than mine. This is a heart problem, not an economics problem. Thinking that government handouts can solve a problem better than God and his gospel reveals much about a person's heart and who he or she thinks is the real God. Yet somehow we aren't pro-life or abolitionist if we don't support the government giving a bunch of free stuff to women, which involves either raising taxes or the flat tax rate of inflation from printing more money. Somehow Christians are apparently responsible for women getting abortions because these women don't have enough care from Christians to help them. Comments, pretty much exactly that or something similar to that that people such as Beth Moore and KSP have made. So apparently if we just did more giving free stuff to people that don't even count for a biblical definition of worthy poor very often, that, that'd somehow make them stop getting abortions. Don't buy into lies like this womb-to-tomb pro-life concept. Fight abortion. Don't listen to people who tell you that we shouldn't end abortion until we can make sure that every child in the nation is able to grow up in a comfortable middle-class family. Ask just about any person who grew up in the lower class, and he or she will tell you that he was much happier growing up poor than being killed as a baby because someone thought that this was much more merciful than growing up poor. One of my favorite preachers, Vody Bauckham, He's told stories in his sermons about just how hard it was sometimes for him growing up and how difficult it was for his family with finances. I'm sure Vody Bauckham is glad to be alive and doing all that great ministry he's doing in Zambia and glad his mo mother didn't abort him because of the claim that it's nicer to a baby to never be born than to uh, grow up in poverty. So let's fight abortion by trying to pass abolitionist bills at the state level. And let's also fight poverty by obeying God's prerogatives in this area, shown through books like Bringing in the Sheaves by George Grant. We can fight poverty in a way that obeys all of God's commands, not disobeys some in the name of obeying others.
So that was this week's episode of Theana Money. As we go, I want to remind everyone that the law of the Lord is perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, and true. So go apply that law in light of the gospel of Christ's atoning death and resurrection to every area of life. Grace and peace, friends. Satisfies me, your love.